Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Jefferson Highway Show. This historic highway was formed in 1915 by the Jefferson Highway Association. It runs from Winnipeg, Canada, all the way to New Orleans, Louisiana. Let's go! Hey everybody, welcome! It is time to talk about the Jefferson Highway and the Jefferson Highway Conference that comes up in April in Alexandria, Louisiana. We're very excited. As always, we have Roger Bell, the president of the Jefferson Highway Association, joining us. And you can go to jeffersonhighway.org for everything we talk about today. Roger, how are you? I am great, Lisa. Ready for another fun and exciting show this evening. I'm excited, too. And um, I'm excited because... You know, we have a special guest joining us, Cecilia Otto, and she is a classically trained singer, composer, historian, recording artist, international best-selling author, and uh, she is known as uh, the well, her website, An American Songline. Uh, go check out her website, anamericansongline dot com. Have I got that right, Cecilia? Welcome, yes, you got that yes. right. Yeah, this thank is you. like I you've done this vintage music tour on the Lincoln Highway. So now um, I heard that you're getting snagged to start doing more than one highway. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, I'm super excited to be doing more. I mean, I love the Lincoln Highway, don't get me wrong, but there's a big country to see. And I'm looking forward to doing some driving along the Jefferson Highway. And um, yeah, it's going to be so much fun because I have only seen little tiny parts of the Jefferson so far. So but you actually live like right off the highway now. I I do. Yes, I just recently moved and I'm about a mile away from the route. So that's the part I know really well. (laughs) So yeah, that's cool. I I don't know. I kind of feel like you need to open up a theater, you know, but I think what's really cool about what you do is number one, you're an incredible singer. And Nancy and I were, were trying to do your voice and we can't. Oh, um, the, the closest we can get is Hyacinth Bouquet from Keeping Up Appearances. If anybody oh, watches British Humor yes, TV, yes. Um, you know who I'm talking about, like yeah. seriously, but she can't do you either because <laughs> she's she goes flat a lot. Yes. Um, you, you know, but <laughs> honestly, it you bring back these sounds that I think are forgotten a lot of times. And we have a lot of reenactment groups across the country in different historical parks, which is amazing. And I think bringing the music in with what you're doing is something we don't hear that much of. Do you find that to be true? I mean, do you have a lot of competition? It doesn't seem to me like you do. Uh, you, you, you've done your homework. I love it so much. Yeah. I, you know, it was funny when I was starting this a little over almost 11 years ago, I kind of did the Google search to see like, is there anybody else out there thinking about doing what I'm doing or anything like that? And no. Um, and, and truth be told an American Songline, I did trademark it. And interestingly, there's a person in Washington, D.C., who was reviewing the trademark and she was an opera singer. So she knew exactly what I was trying to do and what I was trying to trademark. But this, you're right, this unique 
kind of collaboration of programming started with the Lincoln Highway, but then I, I did not realize how many people were kind of looking for a more interactive form of history. I think mm. there are, and road, road trips along these historic routes is an interactive form of history mm-hmm. and music's just another part of that layer. And what I think is interesting about it, I mean, all the historic buildings and everything else are important, but it's interesting, like, for example, because you mentioned the different um, programs and stuff before uh, we started recording, with the World War One program, because I've done many different kind of historic programs from the late 19th and early 20th century, you know, I would get people to sing over there. You know, George M. Cohan, everybody knows that song. Also, prolific vaudeville kind of tour and performer, did stuff along the Lincoln and Jefferson Highway, you know, and getting people to sing along to over there. And I did it. I got them to sing along. People weren't nervous or shy. And I had this woman come up to me after the debut of that program to coincide with the centennial hundred years ago, um, you know, 2017, 1917 mm-hmm. from when we declared war. And she came up to me and she said, I didn't realize the power and the magnitude of that song until all of us, the hundred in that room, were all singing it together. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I know with your own background of music, you know, we all know what the power of music does. And mm-hmm. I think this just brings another dimension for people. And I think these melodies, so many of them from our history are so iconic. There are times where people come up to me and go, this memory came or this melody came back to me. And then this memory came back to me. And it's sort of, it's helping us remember who we are, I think, as a Mm -hmm. culture and as a nation too. some of these, these nostalgia, nostalgia. And even no matter what your age, your age is now, you could be, you know, 12 years old and you hear the song. It could be from grandparents, great grandparents passed down, you know, but I think you, what you're saying too, about, you know, when you go down the Jefferson highway, these historic buildings, and I think, you know, Roger, we talk about this all the time, this, these historic buildings, the hotels, uh, sometimes there's soda fountains, there's all yes. of these places. It could just be a boutique, you know, but they're inhabiting these buildings and making sure they stay. So what were they listening to back then, right, mm-hmm. on the radio? And think about old-fashioned radios back then, right? And so your music well, also... Well, this time period, radio was just breaking. It yeah, was, it was just Some breaking. of this is even before radio. Yeah. Right, so mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on that with you, uh, Cecilia, because your your. I want to talk a little bit about we're getting almost into music uh, March being women's history month. Right. So right. I also wanted to touch on this about women singing. You know, yes. we think about the Andrew sisters and, you know, world war two and stuff, but it goes, you go way before that and women singing and being on stage. Wasn't that like a taboo thing at one point? No, you know, and, and there's different types of performance that kind of occurs in the 19th and early 20th. And, uh, you know, vaudeville is kind of one. And the joke with vaudeville was pay your quarter. And if you don't like what you see, just wait 10 minutes and something else will come out instead that you'll like. But usually songs were a component of that. And it was, you know, women would perform and do those kinds of things, whether it was silent film or acting. It's also an interesting thing on an aside to note that when we look at performers from that era, a lot of them, once they start getting into the talkies, because vaudeville starts to kind of go away and stage performance starts to morph and change during the 1920s, during the heyday of the Jefferson Highway, a lot of them still move and act like they're still in silent films. 
So when you, because you have to have big gestures when you can't speak words. And so it's an interesting thing to watch performers from that era for that reason. And I studied a lot of those movements knowing when I was trying to create these historic programs, I wanted to not only emulate a sound from 100 years ago, and most of them would have had the classical vocal training you would have heard, but it was also to how did they move and how did they feel and and even how much makeup did they put on? Because, you know, mascara wasn't invented until 1915. There's these kinds of things that I was sort of thinking about when it came to performance, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So there's vaudeville and then it's the burlesque. It was, the burlesque was the, the naughty stuff, right? That it was, was, it the... was, yeah, it was, it was naughty. It was all about winding up to the, you know, warming up to some kind of striptease. And of course, Broadway exists at that point in New York City. Um, you know, we have different layers around it. Vaudeville for a while was considered kind of actually tawdry. It wasn't considered a good form of entertainment, but then we have these kinds of, people post-Civil War kind of appear on scene and they're trying to kind of make vaudeville possible so young ladies can go to it and it can be a respectable thing, which is why it becomes a little bit more of a G-rated kind of thing. And we have different theaters kind of appearing, but they realize that in order to attract performers from that era, they need to, um, you know, have more theaters so that they're willing to travel between these different circuits. And so we start seeing these different circuits. And one of those theaters was not too far off the Jefferson Highway. It was an Orpheum Theater in Kansas City. It linked the East and the West. And so that's how they could sort of get these different performers to appear. And then even pre-Jefferson Highway, there was a lot of activity on different roads and railroads going up and down North and South paralleling what would have been the Jefferson Highway at that point, too, because the idea is that these main stars, these performers would travel and you'd have good musicians in every town at that point. You know, they had to perform for church. They had to perform for silent films. They had to perform for different things. And so it became pretty commonplace for those singers and main entertainers to kind of travel instead. And I sort of emulate that model as well. And I like it from a 21st century perspective, because it keeps things in kind of a grassroots, kind of local. I like working with different performers and entertainers along the route. So the performance is literally not the same each time. Mm. Yeah. You're, you're, when you look at the entertainment in this time, period, I mean, you know, today we're just bombarded with television and all facets of entertainment. And, you know, we can get on, we can listen to song uh, it's fascinating to me the you know the the traveling and how the, when these folks came into town it was it was a big deal you know? mm -hmm. it was yes and they would that they would fill these theaters up and dress their finest to see these great entertainers from across the country come and, and sing and it was a uh, yeah, you couldn't go home and, and a lot of, even in the early days you couldn't even listen on radio I mean outside mm -hmm. of or maybe if you had a record if you Maybe, but uh, you know, this is a very unique time period, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I wanted I wanted to touch with on this because I think this is part of the importance of the Jefferson Highway is it's taking the past to the present, right? Um, and as this revival is happening, and it's happening fast, I remember starting this you know podcast with you and Arlene from Natchitoches, and Natchitoches, one of our sponsors, Natchitoches, Louisiana, the oldest city, and you've got to go through there when you go to Alexandria for the conference. 
Um, I, I just want to touch on this, Roger, because it was 1915. So before Route 66, the iconic Route 66, which is gearing up for its centennial, right? So here comes okay. Jefferson Highway. Uh, thanks to the editor of Better Homes and Garden. I always bring that up. He understood these small communities needed to have people come through and help with the agriculture, uh, the farmers. They needed to have that extra economic influence come into their towns. And I just think what's interesting about this route now is everyone's starting to get on board and fast. It's happening. I mean, just in the last couple of years, it's pretty mind-blowing to see how many people are getting signs, the, the the logos being painted on telephone poles, the old bridges that you don't even know there was a bridge until someone went and painted the Jefferson Highway logo on it. I mean, it, it's like the communities are getting together and getting it. And so it's really happening. And I think the Jefferson Highway Association has done an amazing job doing this, but it's spreading now. And the fire, the, you know, that little match got lit and now the fire that flame is happening and it's good but i think when we talk about the past to the present that's what's happening right now you have this conference you you think about cecilia going to this conference in alexandria right uh louisiana alexandria louisiana the backdrop is kasachi national forest which was where the louisiana maneuvers happened for world war ii and here you got cecilia coming in hey she knows about that era, can sing, do a presentation and and get us into that moment. Yet we're in the present day. Isn't that part of it, Roger, in a way like we love road trips. All of us today, we thought about it in the 60s and 70s. We didn't. Then road, road tripping culture is back. So don't you think we're kind of in this in, interesting blend of past and present, like right now? It's, it's, it's Americana. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it is, it's the things that make our country unique. Uh, that's why we see a lot of international tourists on some of these historic roads that, you know, a lot of people wonder why are so many foreign people, foreigners traveling these routes. It's because this is a true American experience. These, each one of these small towns have a story and, uh, there's culture just like music, uh, around every turn, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. so we're very excited to have uh, CC join us in uh, Alexandria when we were uh, looking uh, for potential uh, presenters at our conference. Um, I just, her, she came to my mind immediately and uh, I'm so glad we were able to make arrangements for her to be there. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Cecilia, I wanted to ask you, you know, going into that past and present moment as a musician, are you seeing the younger generation kind of go, whoa, this is a little different. Can we sample this? No, <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean? Are, are you seeing that connection being made where it's like, wow, we didn't know that that sound existed because it's very classical and that yet goes into some of the jazzy style too, um, with what you do. Um, are you seeing that that kind of light go off like we did not know that this existed? There's definitely some of that that is happening, you know, and it is such a you mentioned kind of the interesting fusion there that it isn't classical. It isn't jazz. It isn't ragtime even either. You mm-hmm. know, it's starting to sh- that Tin Pan Alley kind of yeah. great American songbook culture has its own feel and its own vibe. 
the one thing that captivates people regardless of age, and especially if they've never heard these songs before, is frankly the melody. Everybody mm. loves a good melody. And one thing in this kind of nerdy academic brain that I certainly have around music, we've seen melodies kind of shift over time, that the range may not be as big as it once was. And we've seen that kind of your average pop mm. song length believe it or not, has not changed much since Stephen Foster kind of came on the scene in the 1860s. He, on some levels, set the tone for how to construct our modern pop songs. And so that length is kind of there. But then on the other hand, it starts to get fine-tuned. So people's brains are very accustomed to, this is how long a song is, but those melodies and how those vocal lines and piano um you know instrumentals kind of shift and evoke a time period it does kind of amaze people and it's sort of an interesting thing you know because it i jokingly said and and people somebody said it to me once and it kind of stuck with me it was the this is almost like the reverse of hamilton the musical um you know and hopefully mm. the idea being that with hamilton it's modern dialogue or it's older kind of style dialogue but modern types of music and what i do is the opposite where i talk to you in modern times but i sing in that free time travel that you sort of reference right like you don't need a machine you just literally hear a song and that nostalgia comes through and it brings people into those kinds of places and so i do see that more and more as time goes on especially depending on the theme you know it's sort of interesting each program has its own kind of feel and own kind of audience in a way if that makes sense so women's suffrage concerts look a little bit different than world war one and prohibition oh you know? prohibition yeah prohibition was so rude so like <laughs> yeah what was it like in that era in entertainment in regards to hey during prohibition we're going to still have entertainment but people are sipping things and hidden walls or what what was going on <laughs> you know they were getting something somewhere right oh yeah yeah absolutely you know and of course some of these places it was it was so obvious right you know because some of the best entertainers in the world were coming to perform and it's like you're not in this venue you were in this other place really why you know and of course everybody knew why um you know the money was there to bring them in you know you have such an interesting entertainment it becomes very interesting after World War One because, as Roger sort of alluded to, you know, radios if didn't really exist, right? It's really the 1920s when radio starts to kind of appear both in cars and in people's homes because it's the Roaring Twenties. So your main form of entertainment were these shows and also playing the sheet music at home. Sheet music was a very big industry, like massive in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. And in the 1920s, we start to see this uptick, you know, vaudeville's there and live entertainment's there, but it's shifting because of how prohibition is. People want to go out, they want to drink, so they may not go to vaudeville where drinks aren't allowed, right? They will, they would rather, or they would, you know, make their special grape juice, unquote, at home and do that instead. But, you know, the idea is you have these prominent performers, you know, in places all over the country, but you also sort of have... These kinds of pickups where, again, it, we what we start to see in music history overall is in the late 19th, you have choruses, you know, that repeating thing that everybody hears over and over again is really, really short. And the verses, a.k.a. the storytelling mm. is really long. 
Well, as the 1920s starts to appear, people want to dance. So what we have is a lot less talking and or singing kind of happening. So the choruses become a lot longer. That hook that everybody likes to hear over and over again becomes longer. And those verses become shorter and shorter because people want to sing and people want to dance because they just made it through a world war. They made it through a, a pandemic. They want to be out. They want to be celebrating regardless of what's going on. And so the entertainment kind of gets curated around some of these needs and desires of people. It's sort of an interesting thing because I certainly have seen with our own recent pandemic how entertainment looks different pre-COVID versus post-COVID. Yeah, yeah. You you probably see that too, actually, Lisa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting about music because there's a freedom that comes with it, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what you're going on in your life, it's kind of this, it's, it's like this free medicine you know, mm-hmm. and we've done so many shows on that. And at the same time, I want to go when you're on a road trip, there's something about playing music. And Roger, I want to ask you, what about like, where were we in when you were talking about radios coming into play? It's another rabbit hole. Dang it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> um, you know, when you were thinking about people driving from, you know, Winnipeg, Canada to New Orleans. Now, I mean, you've got to think this was epic at the time. And, you know, it was just, you know, there's people that sit there and even go, hey, I'm not leaving my state, you know. And I'm like, what? Um, We travel full time, so we go through stuff. But it's epic at that time. That's real epic. We have digital nomads. Um, They're saying now that 50% of our veers are digital nomads at this point. It's not just retirees. It is not what you think anymore. It is digital nomads. The, the world is, the landscape is changing and people will travel according to route. In fact, I, you know, we, we've been doing shows on, you know, obviously the Jefferson Highway for a couple of years. But, you know, if you don't know what to do on a road trip, don't just take an interstate. Go on a, follow a historic route. And Jefferson Highway is one of them. Back in the day, think about this, 1915, people getting in a car. I mean, you've got to think back to that. Do you think they played music? Were they able to do that, Roger, at this time? Like, where were we in history, do you think? Because to me, well, today we, those we cars, get in a car. we need music. <laughs> we need are we, music. I gotta say, we get in a car today, we turn, we're the first thing we do pretty much is turn on, you know, maybe it's not music, but we turn on something to listen to, you know, and a lot of our listening is there to uh even when radio first came in there was no car no car radio so you know this is a different um uh era so we you know i just uh, uh we look at these uh people that you know traveled and you know i i enjoy going into these towns and seeing the old uh, uh theaters mm-hmm. yeah uh and and you know i remember being in one in uh Pittsburgh, Kansas, that we got a tour of during our conference a couple of years ago. And it was, you know, it, it dates all the way back to the time period when for a movie theater, it was, you know, when all these entertainers would have came through there. And, and uh, it's just so much, you, know, you can just sit in that theater and just imagine what it was like back in that time period and see the, the, uh, the ornate uh, mm. level that was, done in these theaters is amazing you know one of the questions you know i i think is also is 
CCDs, the stories of these songs, you know, you, they, you know, uh, obviously the words mean something, but they usually were from a place in time or they have a story that is uh, somewhat unique, a lot of times unique to the era. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, it's interesting, you know, when I do these performances, you know, typically on the whole, there's a few where I'll say this song needs no introduction, or I want you to guess the title of the song, because typically with songs of the era, the titles were much longer than, you know, what is written. And so it's always funny. That's one of the songs on my suffrage program, actually, that people just love because they never get it right. And then I say the whole thing, but I'm not going to say it in case I end up performing it in Louisiana, because I want people to hear it. But like, one song, for example, and this is in the Prohibition program, there's little bits of slang that sort of appear. And one interesting one is you see in a lot of the Prohibition program, and this is not, you know, again, um, you'll see the word uh, smile that sort of appears. And it's Mm -hmm. a late Victorian slang for smile meaning a little bit tipsy. So it's not the actual smile itself. It's the, have you know, are you longing to have a buzz? You know what I mean? Cool. (laughs) And there's those little moments in the song that I love sharing with the audience before I actually do it. You know, there's another, there's another fun song where they say, you'll say they're bugs when they look at the clothes they wear. Bugs is a slang form for like, not right in the head or like crazy. And that's where that wascally wabbit got his name. And that's a slang from the the 20s, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. So Mm -hmm. when you're performing this, you're getting right to that history of of the the songs being that place and time with what Roger was saying. What is it like for you going into historic places and performing? And isn't it also part of getting people to understand to preserve historic theaters like what Roger's talking about, you know, I mean, they get torn down in places and when on the Jefferson highway, from what we've seen and experienced in some other places too, I see small communities really try to keep it no matter what they, what they can do, even if it's, you know, closed up a little bit for some time, they will try to keep, that is part of their community. Like it's like a community center in a way, right? The Mm -hmm. theater. Um, But for you to perform in those places, do you get kind of like a, like, Ooh, I'm stepping into history and singing their songs. Like, do you feel that vibe of that? I do 100%. And I, I, you tapped into something just there in the sense of, these these kind of restored historic places are not they are important and they need to be preserved for all of the reasons that we all know but it also is i think people forget about the community aspect of it and it's really true it, they do become a form of a community center you know and i see that in these little towns and there's other things too you know as much as architecture changes and from you know kind of a music standpoint those acoustics then change too. And any kind of preservation one can do for these kind of older, late 19th, early 20th century buildings to preserve that, all the more reason not only to kind of imagine what it's like to be in a show there, but for me as a historic performer, it helps me actually perform the way these songs were intended to be heard and performed as well. 
there's a big kind of component to that, you know? And, um, you know, that's all the more reason on an aside too, that I wear historic attire, period attire when I perform, because I could get up there in normal clothes and, and do that, but it would feel almost, it wouldn't feel right. You know, you're trying to transport and create an experience. And I, I think it's, it, the music's important, but the overall experience is just as important. And I, I feel it in those older ones. There's those great old opera houses where, and I don't know, Roger, if any of these places are on the Jefferson of the places I haven't been, I haven't seen this, but I'm curious if there's a lot of those older kind of where they have a business on the first level and then you walk Mm -hmm. up the stairs and the stage is on the second floor and they, the audience is usually on a flat kind of plane. They're not tiered like they are in a movie theater. And so Mm -hmm. the stage is actually raked. It's tilted. So as a performer, you're standing on a tilted stage, which is where upstage and downstage, those terms come from. So as you can imagine, Lisa, trying to do that in heels is always entertaining when you're sort of standing there. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're doing the heels, not fall over. And right, don't right, drink exactly. wine before the performance, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But those kinds of older kind of ab- those we have those wow. big, amazing, ornate theaters that sort of appear as well. But then we have in these little smaller towns those kind of older, like I said, the there's a business, everyday business on the first level, and then on the second floor there's oh. a theater upstairs, and those performance spaces are absolutely perfect for acoustics and they're fascinating wow. because of how they've been built. And- I'm trying to think about ones I've been one, uh, Yeah. One that comes to my mind uh, that you need to see on the way down here is the, is uh, the Coleman theater in Miami. My- okay. Miami. Where's that? Oklahoma community, okay. but it was in a mining area. And the, uh, this was built in the twenties because uh, he, he got a lot of wealth, but he brought his wife, the, back east and she was one of the culture you know and stuff so he built her this unbelievable uh theater and um you know it's kind of toward the end of uh you know the uh, some of this era and, and obviously going into the talking movies was pretty close but uh it is an amazing restored place and uh i've seen silent movies there and i've seen oh wow and, really uh, uh it is uh uh, it's a place to see. Uh, it's on Route 66 and the Jefferson, but it's oh, really okay. right on the same. It's kind of in the part of the middle of the time period. Okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, but, but there's other it. places along the route. I mean, uh, to look at. And one of the things we haven't really discussed is, you know, where our conference is. CC. And it's not going to be a uh, a concert hall, but uh, this hotel dates all the way back to 1908. When you walk into the lobby, it's like a step back in time there. And, Cecilia's haunted. Um, Get no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, hopefully, I won't get the haunted room up there. But, oh, uh, come on. I, I, actually, I, I might I, like it. I don't But yeah. uh, um, But anyway, we've, uh, it is, uh, it's just one of the things that are long around if you um, stop and, and take a look at it. It's you know it's just, it's just an amazing place. But you know every community I found, uh, most of them have some remnant of this time period there if you go to look for it, and uh, it's there. Yeah, I, I want to say too, just you know what Nancy and I've done on the highway, especially last year, we were just out, just like let's go. You know, no plans, let's just go. Roger got a lot of text messages and. And then he, he was like, 
here, go here, go here. I'm like, wait, wait, it's getting dark. He's like, I don't care, go. <laughs> but, you know, the, the the reality is those theaters, was it the Twin Falls, Roger, with that one theater? Uh, one Another one comes the... to my mind is in Hampton, Iowa. Uh, it is, we had a tour there during our caravan last year. Uh, uh, it is uh, quite an amazing. These these theaters are ornate and so and beautiful. The town square there. Yeah, mm-hmm. these these. If you have a good courthouse, you're going to have a good theater. It seems to be. It seems like the courthouse and the theater one one was built before the other. You know, it depended on what the town was like. And some of the theaters in in Cecilia, if you've seen this, where they have like I've been in historic theaters especially fox theaters like really old fox theaters mm-hmm. where they have almost like an indian theme like from india like an mm-hmm. indian i don't know what's going i don't know the history of all this but um it seems like things were really elaborate and ornate back in the day they wanted you when you walked into the theater that you were going away from where you just came out of like if you were a farmer and your crop was going bad when you stepped into the theater you forgot that it was like the performance started as soon as you walked in even saw the architecture on the outside it was something special to behold it was like you know i know we have all this digital stuff now which i get it and it's all cool but there's something about these historic theaters you the architecture then you step inside and the ornateness and what went into the architecture on the inside, the paintings, the murals. Sometimes it was very Victorian from what I've seen. I've seen mermaids being painted. I mean, I've seen all kinds of stuff on our travels in regards to theaters across this country. And it's amazing. Some of them still have the old seats where you can have a table and have wine and and something to eat. Some don't have that anymore, but, um, have you seen that, Cecilia, with, with these, the architecture and the painting and that, like, we're going to take, we're going to transport you from once you step inside. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and, and you see some of them too in various forms of restoration. And it, you do bring up a mm. point in that kind of way, like some of them have this theme, you know, there were, of course, various, um because Egypt was all the rage too in the late teens yes. and early 20s. There's Egyptian oh, yeah. theaters that have that motif yes. everywhere and varying degrees of restoration have transpired. But it seems like because of these different aspects of like, pride and community and whatever. And I think, you know, in the general consciousness of America, we really love the 1920s and have for quite a long time. So anything to preserve the 1920s and that moment in time, which I think is fascinating and a whole other discussion unto itself, but those kinds of things and those motifs also are kind of there. Cause again, you're absolutely right. They might not, you know, they, some of these, you know, gentlemen came back from France and all these other places and saw terrible things in the First World War, but they kind of had their first world travel experience. And so, you know, once the travel Ah. bug bites you, you never, ever have it go away. And so I think those students emulated it, you know? Travel was evolving so much in this time period. That's what Ah. I tell people. You know, you go from cars, you know, from, we look at, you know, 
just a few people in your town might have a car and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it just becomes prolific and people, you know, which were traveling by train were now discovering automobiles and discovering these routes and, and going oh, wow. out and, you know, they might, they might uh, take a drive to a nearby town to see some of these performers. And, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and uh, so. So you're, so like, I was talking about one theater that had a theme of India, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we're in the middle of California, in, in Visalia, California, just to be clear on that. There's an old Fox Theater, and it was the first time I'd ever really, and then I've done, uh, been through a bunch more, but I remember going, why are we in India, in the middle of California? And I never got it. And I still, until you just said, oh, yeah, you know, and and actually, that was a hotbed in regards to World War II history. And a lot of the farmers were actually watchtowers at that time because that was where the nuclear war stuff was happening, too. And all the Japanese, the, the Pacific Theater of World War II and the Japanese internment camps were on the east side. And uh, anyway, a mess. But I never thought about like, oh, yeah, these people may have been overseas and now come back and brought that with them. Is that what do you what do you think the theaters would be themed that way? Is from people traveling out and then coming back with it? I mean, I just don't understand why that theater was India, but it was cool. I mean, they had elephants, they had all kinds of wow. stuff in there. I've seen mermaids at, in Yuma, Arizona, on the walls, mermaids and Victorian. I, I, it's it's wild, like how these really historic theaters. Uh, Silver City, uh, very Art Deco, Silver City, New Mexico, um, really kind of old. You talk about Route 66, it would be more of that kind of thing. And um, just really about either about the time, but then transporting you to another world. And I've never seen I, I just don't. Where did they get that at that time when it was we're talking about really historic theaters? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so I, that's why I was like when you're. I think Roger and both of you were saying, you know, you have soldiers fighting in different wars, going, traveling the world and coming back. Did they bring that with them and help? I, I mean, I think huh. that's a part of it. Yeah. I also think you are right, Lisa, in the sense of, of escapism too, of just like, you know, yeah, you've been toiling in a field all day and you want to go look, be in a place that's different than what you know. I think those things evoke things. And I, but I know that there was kind of, especially in the late 19th some of this is european kind of history and some of this yeah. is american history but anything that was kind of labeled exotic also people wanted oh uh, morocco kind of, being a big yeah. deal also then too right Egypt, yeah like you were saying the egyptian theaters mm -hmm. okay so roger i think there was this i think there was kind of a sense of pride <laughs> in these uh theaters a lot of times the owners you know that sometimes they were like the wealthier leader of the town and they you know they wanted to make a statement um, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that they uh, and I think there was also sometimes a competitive deal to it. You know, I went out you know, I want to make the best theater around you know uh, the Bentley Hotel where our conference is it's really an example of that the guy that built it he uh, the story is he uh, came out of the fields uh, even though he's a wealthy man he wanted to go out and see the his timber uh, uh, land and some of the things uh, out there and he came in he was pretty rough and you know they wouldn't let him into the hotel so 
he just decided he was going to build his other one. So he wasn't going to just build any hotel. He was going to build you know, the grandest of grand. And I, I think there was some of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Cause remember when, uh, maybe you know this more than I do, but uh, again, um, when did the income tax kick into place? Um, oh. A lot of these wealthy people mm-hmm, didn't have mm-hmm. to pay income tax right. until a certain point. So they could use it in different ways to build theaters, for example. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. Okay. So now let, let's think about this. So we have all these theaters coming up, but now let's talk about radio, right? Because at, at some point I was talking about this with a musician friend the other day on a show. And at one point, I could have sworn like there were recording studios with a radio station attached at some places and radio stations were always kind of, because remember, think about radio stations back in the day used to do radio drama too. That Mm -hmm. was where radio plays would happen. Oh, come on, Cecilia. Have you done that? You've got to have done radio plays, right? I haven't done them yet, but I'd really like to. Yes. Big word. Yet. Yet. Exactly. Yes. Important. Um, but back in the day, you know, radio, that the radio was such an important part of communication before TV, radio plays, music, all of it. So when did radio come about for your era of music that you portray and do um, that would, I mean, I, where were they doing it? It was, I think radio stations did actually not always have just a station, Right. Weren't they always something connected sometimes to a theater at some point? I don't know. I I think that's entirely possible, given that it would be probably easier if these performers were traveling on these kinds of touring circuits. It's going to be a lot easier to pull them into a little room and record them like right off the dressing room or the green room than it is to, you know, have them drive across town, drive them across town to record things. You know, one interesting tidbit, you know, and people need to remember this, too, when thinking of the performances of those eras, you know, the electric microphone wasn't invented until 1925. I mean, there were earlier versions, but they weren't good. They didn't sound good. But uh, your first sem, not horrible electric microphone comes on the scene in 1925. And I think that made radio a little bit more palatable because you could actually record, you could have, be on the air and sound semi-decent. Um, you know, it's something that I always kind of uh, harken back because when people hear me sing, they go, you don't sound like those people on those old records from the 1900s, you know, or whatever, the early <laughs> 1900s. Thank you, Thomas Edison. Right, yeah. exactly. You know, and it's like, well, those old acoustic microphones, you know, you had to sing into a big horn. You didn't sing in, or you would sing into a corner mm-hmm. of the wall. The yeah. sound would bounce and go over your head and then hit the needle behind you that was recording that master, that wax master. Mm-hmm. Or, wow. or, yeah. And so Good when point. you think about that, you know, once... I think really, I mean, we see radio a little bit in the early 20s, but I think it really starts to kind of come into its own in the later 20s because of the fact that the technology just gets a little bit better. And I think people, you know, because again, think pre-Great Depression, there's a little bit more extra money to be had in various capacities. And so people would spend money on nicer Victrolas and nicer radios. And I think that kind of came to be, I mean, really by the 1930s. You know, radio is de- much more in cars, much more prevalent in homes, of course. 
you know, that kind of thing. And now on... we have Spotify and right. all that <laughs> and Pandora. It's so wild. Like, could you imagine? You know, I, I remember, you know, my mom always telling me, I, I met my Nana, well, not like when I was a little kid and she's passed. She she lived the same years as uh, the queen mother and uh, little Nana. And she, you know, the, the man went to the moon and she was like, that's a scam. <laughs> you know, she didn't believe the man really went to the moon, you know? Um, uh-huh. So it's just really, when you think about like 1900 to 2024, what so many people have actually witnessed and been through, all these amazing changes, they are hard to believe, actually, you know, thinking about, you know, back in the day of car phones, it was only for the rich and the famous. And now here we are all walking around with this little thing that we drop and break and throw down toilets by accident, you know, so it's kind of an interesting shift in entertainment. And, but there's something very beautiful about what you do and also brings us back to reality and um soul soulful it 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 there's something so important about that that we don't lose this piece of history i want to go to roger in a second here and get into what's happening on the conference because it's coming up fast but i do want to ask you cecilia what led you to do what you do because not many women are going to go hey i'm going to go sing classical historical music and travel down (laughs) highways and and do this, you know, and you've written books, you've done so much, you know, your bio is huge. Everyone uh, go to go to Cecilia's website. Uh, it's, you know, she she's busy. Um, you know, it's americansongline.com. Americans, uh, americansongline.com. So go there. And the links are in the show notes for everything, including the conference, Jefferson Highway Association and Natchitoches. We got to give them a shout out. Uh, you got to go to Natchitoches if you go to the conference, and you got to go there anyway and have a meat yeah. pie. But, but, but tell 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 us a little bit what got you started into this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I had had all of this fancy training and other things you had read in bios, and I was getting work, but not it. It was it wasn't what I I was kind of at a crossroads. Pun, not trying to intend, but here we are, everybody. But um, with the roads and everything and the Jefferson Mm -hmm. Highway. But Uh um, it's one of these things where I said, what do I really, what do I love to do? And I said, I love to sing. I love to travel. I love to write words. And I love to tell stories and write stories. And the word singing travelogue popped into my head. And I thought, that's great brain. What does that mean? And I I didn't really know what that meant right away. And I started to think about how I could do a singing travelogue. And I didn't want to do those interstates because as we all know, they're kind of soulless and boring. And who wants to see a girl sing by, you know, a fine Next to a jade... McDonald's sign? Right, exactly. Like, She's who singing that? for a supper at, outside the bouncy park. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, right by the ball crawl. Exactly. Um. But it's just no offense, it, McDonald's. No, no, none taken. It's Shamrock shake, shake season and other things. So yeah, you know, it's coming up. But um, it's this thing where I looked at the amazing national uh, highway system and saw roads like the Lincoln and Jefferson Highway and saw that these roads were had this major history underneath it. And I said, that's a good story that I can tell. And I wanted to find a road. I didn't want to do Route 66 because it had already been done. 
you know, I, I didn't want to do that. And so for me, it was contacting some different archives across the country because I saw obviously the Lincoln Highway was the first one I did. Um, and soon to be more Jefferson Highway, which I can't wait. But yeah, it's they're all this, connected, yeah. It is connected. I, I and I did that Jefferson Highway driving a little bit in Iowa when I was in and around the Lincoln Highway. But mm-hmm. I wanted to. Oh, sorry, Roger. What we crossed the we crossed the uh, Lincoln in Iowa. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. It, it's beautiful. the only. What's the 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 line? It's the only place where Lincoln and Jefferson ever met. Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Um, but I looked at those archives and I pulled old concert programs from the heydays of these um, highways and saw what they were performing, mm. what kind of classical pieces they were doing, what kind of popular songs they were doing. And when I say heydays, I think 19 teens to roughly 1930s, early 40s, when they wouldn't have referred to them by the numbered name, like it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it was they would have had that radio drama saying the Jefferson Highway in one way or another, they wouldn't have used the number. And so for me, it was about creating that in a way Mm. to go across and sort of the idea of a song line. And this is, this is the actual truth of this is when indigenous folks in Australia go on what they call walkabout, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. idea is they follow these trails and sing their ancestors back into existence and I thought, what an amazing way to do this. How can I basically, as this singer and as this storyteller, bring these songs and stories and bring these these songs back to life, really, in a way that is similar to that? And that's where the song line part comes in with all of this. Oh, and I love that. That's kind of how this all came to be. And unbeknownst to me, you know, uh, when I started off in 2013 doing this, I thought it was going to be, I'll do one performance in every state along the way. And it was 30 by the end of it It, and and six months of living on that route and really breathing in that route in a poetic way and really taking my time and doing it in a way that made sense. And then from there, everybody started, I had other people say, we've got this anniversary coming up, you should perform. Mm. And then I looked at world history and I thought, well, there's World War One and women's suffrage. And as a, as a, you know, as a woman kind of exploring some of this, it was like, I don't know a lot about the women's suffrage movement, sad to say. So I'm going to do a program about it, you know, and see what's going on with that and the prohibition stuff. And again, not, you know, there'll be plenty more to discuss with the conference, but it's not just about singing songs from the 20s and 30s. There's some great old temperance numbers and, you know, Carrie Nation traveled up and down the Jefferson too, doing her stuff with her hatchetations as they were called. So there's a lot there to be found and to sort of see. And so it's just, that's kind of how I came into this and I saw a need for it. And I'm just, I keep getting requests for some really interesting programs and other things. I hope someday to actually, like I went to the, speaking of national parks, I went to Yellowstone and looked at their archive and mm. they would have these performing lodges in the teens where these people would perform and they would save all the programs mm. in the archive so I could see what they did um, in these lodges to entertain people when they were driving through that national park. And there's a lot of other similar stories and kind of undercurrents of our culture that I think get missed. And, you know, again, music was such a big part of everybody's life, mm-hmm. you know, 
even if they didn't have a recording, everybody had their songs and everybody sang in church or they sang yeah. at school. I mean, it was just a very big part of our world. And there's times where that sing-along is really much more American, I think, than people realize, you know? Yeah. Like, it's amazing how people light up. Like, you know, singing in the library, people get a little shy because I performed in libraries and they're like, but we're supposed to be quiet. <laughs> but no, 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 sing along. And then people feel like, oh, I'm being rebellious because I'm singing in the library with a bunch of other people, you know, that it's sort of that other kind of feeling. But it really, you know, you were kind of talking about how music heals people. I heard a quote once and I want to end with this before you ping over to Roger, but, you know, they say that, surgeons repair bodies and musicians repair souls yeah 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 i think yeah i think that Mm -hmm. is kind of a lot of this is is finding and by doing these older songs and singing them back to life we find pieces of our soul as a people and as a country and that's why i loved doing what i do and and kind of meeting people along the way with it and hearing their stories too there's just so many amazing songs and stories out there well it's also a history of road tripping yeah. Right? So there's history of travelers and Kansas. And I think about Kansas City and all that area, Missouri, mm-hmm. bootleggers and shenanigans happening. And, you know, they were listening to that music, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, it's like every movie of that, you know, they had that radio playing, you know, you mm-hmm. know, like, and then, you know, when the shooting scenes coming, you think, <laughs> right. you know, right. right? Um, but at the, it's, yeah, isn't it weird? They always have this beautiful music playing when someone gets killed. But anyway, <laughs> but they do. And opera is perfect, you know, that all of that too. Um, you know that someone's getting stabbed in the back always in opera, but right. um but no, no, I think what's what's beautiful about what you're doing too is you're you're breathing life into history, you're making history come to life. Because you can go to a building and not understand what happened within that building. But music is sharing, hey, this is how people, what people heard. You're giving the atmosphere of a time from beyond. So um, if you need a reason, past. if you need a reason to come to the conference and you've listened to this. Well, you, you know, yeah. Now yeah. you need to come and, and hear CC listen to a presentation. No Tell audience. everybody what's happening on the conference, though. Come on, Roger. We want to know. Um, yeah. Lots going on. Uh, we hear... We have a pre-conference caravan that's going to start uh, two days before on Monday, the 22nd in Shreveport. We just got some. 22nd of April, everybody. 22nd April. of April. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to meet all in, in, uh, Shreveport. There's going to be more information on our website soon. We're going to actually have a, uh, a Zoom, uh, call about that pretty quickly in March. And, uh, we've got, uh, really cool presentation. We're going to do recreate something that happened in Shreveport, uh, during a sociability run in, uh, in 1917. Whoa. And, uh, we've got some, that's going to be fun. Uh, a surprise, I think for folks to show up and then we're going to drive away on to the conference through Natchitoches. We're going to stay overnight in Natchitoches. We're looking Natchitoches. To this. Uh, you know, Arlene's going to throw us a big, uh, welcoming there. So we're well forward. And then we're going to go on to Alexandria for a conference. Uh, and, uh, our first day is our bus tour. And that's always one of the bus, uh, look forward things. We're going to go into the parish south of Alexandria of Boyle's parish. And, uh, we'll be looking at, uh, 
several communities there, but we'll be in the great community of Monkey, which is named after a monkey, if you remember right, uh, Lisa. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to be uh, then coming back for our banquet uh, on uh, Thursday night, and then uh, Friday is our presentation day, and uh, Cece's, we're so glad to be a part of that. Uh, we also have uh, Stephanie Stuckey from... Uh, Yay. Uh, Stuckey's is going to be there coming flying in from uh, Georgia and then we have uh, who is supposed to be an awesome speaker Jay Dardan from uh, the former Lieutenant Governor of the State of Louisiana and uh, then we have Oh he's Mar amazing. Oh, he did that whole documentary yeah, he on did. Louisiana. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. Arlene yeah. got us stuck on what he yeah. has done and he is he's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And we have uh, trolley tours that afternoon and then the big final somewhat final ending is going to be the 1920 street party in front of the historic Bentley Hotel. Wow. Uh, a community event that the uh, Alexandria folks are throwing for us there and we're in the Bentley hotel. So we're real excited about that. And then we have uh, Saturday, we're going to have some uh, dedications of some uh, uh, signage around the area and uh, a few community events, but uh, a lot of, a lot of things. And we've already got a lot of people signing up for the conference, a lot of new folks from uh, different locations. So we're excited about it. You can register today online. Just go to jeffersonhighway.org. And any questions you have, just send them to info at jeffersonhighway.org. We'll get right back okay. to you. Everyone, this is going to be huge. So like Roger's saying, jeffersonhighway.org. Uh, we're going to give a shout out to Natchitoches, Louisiana. Go to natchitoches.com. That's N-A-T-C-H-I-T-O-C-H-E-S.com. I think I got that right. Uh, I, it is so good to have you on the show, Cecilia. Uh, everyone, AmericanSongline.com is the website. All the links that we're talking about and information uh, with regards to the conference are in the show notes. It'll be easy. Three links. Just click on over. The Sociability car Caravan. Are you going to the American Rose Garden? Yes, we are. See, I just did a podcast thing on the Rose Garden from when we were there. Yes, we are 10, we, 12 uh, years ago. We yeah. have a special uh, private tour there. So, Oh, my gosh. Well, can people still sign Yeah, they have to sign up and go now. <laughs> yeah, can they, can everybody, like, it's the social. There is no, there is no cost for the sociability run. We just ask you to go to our website and either, either that or send us an email. But there's also a registration link on our front page of our website. Um, we just like to know who, how many's coming, you know, but. Uh, outside of just paying for your own uh, way and uh, lodging, you know, it's, it's free to come with us and, and on the way to the conference. And if you're just in the area and want to see what the Jefferson Highway folks are all about, come out and meet us. And so you're going to go to Natchitoches, right? We are going to spend the night in Natchitoches. No. I'm just making sure. We have, <laughs> we're going to stay uh, in several, we, we have several of our, Jefferson Highway Historic Lodge, Lodging members of our Jefferson Highway oh, Lodging Association. Oh, that's the other thing. Everyone should know. And, like, you uh, have a whole lodging association yeah, arm of the, the Jefferson and Highway. And the Bentley Hotel is one of our members. And is about four hotels, bed and breakfast, and inns in that condition. So we're preserving all those places now. That information, again, is linked on our website. So you can take jeffersonhighway.org everyone it's cool and i encourage everyone to join the facebook group i love the facebook group i love it mm -hmm. you, you you have people that are just like 
I, talk about a rabbit hole. <laughs> you just, you, you, people get into it. And it's like, if you think about it, it's like, this is a highway from Winnipeg to New Orleans. And you're talking about the history and then also what's happening now. And I thought about Reba McIntyre singing the national anthem the other day. And I thought, doesn't Reba McIntyre have a connection to the Jefferson Highway? I'm just saying. Yes. yes. Uh, she's from near Stringtown, Oklahoma. And she's uh, obviously her restaurant in, is in nearby Atoka, Oklahoma, just opened last year. So nice. So there it is, everybody. Ooh, Super Bowl <laughs> history yeah. here for, yeah, for the highway. Just saying. I was like. We got we got to have the Jefferson Highway have a commercial for a Super Bowl. Like yeah. we need to raise some money fast, <laughs> a yeah. lot of it apparently. But uh, but everyway, thank you so much for joining us, Cecilia. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I know people are going to love you at the conference, and I love what you do. I really respect what you do. You you really keep history alive. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lisa. And thank you, Roger. And it, I mean, it was good to talk with the both of you. And I can't wait to uh, meet. People in Alexandria uh, at the conference. I'm just so excited. See, I can't even say the words. They're just fumbling out of my mouth. Hey, listen, so, listen. Yes. I want to see you go out to the airport in Alexandria. Okay. So you got to do the Bentley Hotel. I know all that's going to happen. But yeah. You need to go to those. I don't know how the photo shoot would happen, but you've got those old airplanes outside Ooh. the International Airport in Alexandria. And I think you need to have a photo there don't you think roger she needs to have a photo op there with yeah, all those there's there's a lot of places i mean the the uh she got several photo ops at the bentley hotel and, yeah uh, i think you need you have to have a whole photo <laughs> shoot in alexandria because there's so much history i think you'll dig it so yeah every, yeah yeah i i dig it thank you roger as always we love you we love the inner i was gonna say the international uh, the international highway it is it, it is, is. It's yeah, it is, is. It is. Yes. Uh, we love what's going on with the Jefferson Highway. And Nancy and I can't wait for spring to come so that we can get back on the highway. <laughs> We're mm. just excited. The highway rocks. And there are so many parks. Nancy and I want to do a whole thing on all the parks we've vis- visited on the highway, which you would not believe. Uh, we were just at one uh, two months ago outside, in te- outside of uh, Denton, Texas, uh, Hagerman. And we watched all the snow geese come in. And it was absolutely mind-blowing what you can experience. And so there's this whole other side of the Jefferson Highway. So stay tuned. Nancy and I are working on something special. Just saying, Roger, um, there's so much nature on the highway, too, that people have got to experience. So uh, everyone stay tuned for that. We're going to be putting together a nice little map of just park highlights. And there's so many lakes. When you get to Iowa and Kansas and Missouri, in the summer, are you kidding me? There, is, it's Lake Central. You're gonna have a good time. Mm, Minnesota. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. yes. Little, All right. Listen, but when we got there, the mosquitoes chased us out. They're like, we're the natural national birds. We're taking you out. No, <laughs> right? yeah. and we could even. We're so big, we're gonna pick you up in your body. You know, no. But actually, Minnesota was beautiful. Um, no kidding. Uh, really beautiful and. I just really hope people start looking at road tripping, going along these historic highways and routes, because it's really something magical. And for your kids, they get involved. They Mm -hmm. get part of the highway. They get to get interested in history. And did you know, did you know, we get into rabbit holes, Roger, Nancy and I, 
are known for that uh, with the Jefferson Highway. I think Nancy made the whole frigging journal of all the historic people and places. She went down a rabbit hole for a week and I couldn't pull her out on the Jefferson Highway. And that's the thing. If your kids can get that excited, they're going to learn history. They're going to learn nature, geology, mapping, actually things outside of GPS that are life skills. And I think it's pretty amazing. So hopefully everyone will do that. So jeffersonhighway.org, everyone is the website. Go on their Facebook, be part be part of the group. And thank you both. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Cece. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here on the Big Blend Radio Jefferson Highway Show. The show airs every fourth Thursday, and we encourage you to go to jeffersonhighway.org to learn more about the Jefferson Highway Association or even become a member. You can also dig into the history of the highway and share travel notes with friends at the Jefferson Highway Association Facebook group. Follow our shows at bigblendradio.com. Happy travels. (laughs) 